0: Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows If you are involved with a PBS or community access television station, or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or perhaps a podcast, or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives.
1: Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today, we're going to be talking with the representative of the United Nations International Labor Organization. My guest is Kevin Cassidy. Mr. Cassidy is the director and representative to the Bretton Woods and multilateral organizations of the UN's ILO office in Washington, D.C. Kevin Cassidy, welcome to today's Global Connections television program. Thank you for having me, Bill. I appreciate you being with me, Kevin. We always do this every time we get together. We have to talk about the four pillars. Uh, Well, first of all, let's talk about what is the ILO, basically. What is your mission?
0: Right. So the International Labor Organization, it is a technical agency of the UN, but we predate the UN. Uh, We came about at a time when the economics that we know today, the capitalist model system, was really one amongst many competing issues. So they had to have some way of creating the rules of the road. So the ILO was created as a normative agency, which allows us to, allows us to develop um, international standards in the world of work, um, but also in a very unique way in this tripartite manner. So it's not only just government to government speaking, but you have the government's workers and employers, the actors of the real economy, sitting at the table discussing these issues and coming to a resolution to give the framework for what is a effective world of work for the purposes of what we would call decent work.
1: Very, very true. And our viewers can go to your website at www.ilo.org to get more information. Well, let's talk a little bit about the four pillars. We already talked about one of the pillars and that's the tripartite system. What are the other three pillars of the International Labor Organization?
0: Right. So in the ILO, uh, our main mission is decent work, which is freely chosen work that offers a fair remuneration and opportunities for advancement that also helps improve society um, and social justice. So in order to achieve those dual goals of decent work and uh, social justice, the ILO is uh, structured around four main objectives. One is rights at work. We have to know what means a good workplace, what what constitutes a good workplace? How can we ensure that everyone is fairly sharing in the wealth that they have helped generate? So we talk about shared prosperity. So international labor standards in the world of work. The second pillar on that is employment, ensuring that governments, uh, that uh, sorry, that businesses are uh, having business continuity. I mean, COVID-19 showed how a small pathogen can shut down the world of work. So we wanna make sure that employment continues. Because without businesses, without jobs, people don't have opportunities to earn a a living for themselves and put food on the table or send their children to school. So looking at employment is very important. We also uh, use a process called social dialogue social dialogue is a process by where, and when we use the word social, we mean people to people. So having the workers and employers sitting down together, discussing these issues and ensuring that we have a common understanding about what is expected of us and what is expected of those who hire us. So having that dialogue, which uh, should happen on an ongoing basis, sometimes it takes place through your uh, intermediaries, such as employers, organizations, or from trade unions, but it also can take place directly with the management of the company and the workers in that company. And then the last aspect of, or the last pillar, uh, holding up the house of decent work is social protection. Now social protection uh, in the United States is manifests itself as uh, social safety nets. So for example, people may have heard of social security, which is really to help the transition to one's retirement. Um, Social Security is actually a whole cloth idea of the ILO, Um, but it also is a life cycle approach. So early childhood nutrition. We know that children who have uh, access to certain nutrients when they're growing up, uh, the brain forms uh, more fully and it uh, assists them in their growth Uh, or access to early childhood education. We know that children who have a head start do much better in later in life. Um, also ensuring that people have access to to school that's affordable, uh, quality education. Uh, We also are looking at that transition from school to work. So how does the government assist or how do businesses assist in attracting new talent into their pipeline for their companies? It's also looking at the transition from work to work. Um, In the past, you would be able to uh, have your education for 16 or 22 years uh, and then live off of that for the next 30. But in today's world, People are going to always have to be upskilling and reskilling themselves. They'll have to be changing professions, changing careers for themselves. So we really are in a really unique time to be able to look at people, how they transition from job to job and career to career. And then of course, how do we transition out of work or to protect those who have either been disabled through work or are unable to work for a variety of reasons so that's what the social protection module is so the world of work is a very complex place but it is that important nexus between the economic and the social
1: it certainly is no doubt about it well kevin in your job it sounds like a fascinating position you have and one of the what i perceive as an advantage is that you have an opportunity to go around the country and to talk to business groups world affairs councils groups like that about some of the current trends and some of the upcoming trends folks need to be aware of. And I know just recently you were in, I think, northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area uh, at the World Affairs Council, and and the topic was dealt with uh, climate change, clean energy, and a transition to a more, uh, well, basically a green economy and how it impacts businesses what was the thrust of that discussion and where why are businesses interested in this why should they be yeah
0: you know bill what we're seeing now is people are starting to understand that climate change impacts all of us right this is a mega driver of change so the just transition is aligned with that because the just transition means that as we green the economy it's it's done in a way that is fair and inclusive And it helps everybody in that process either find new work or uh, be able to transition to new work uh, because they have to be upskilled or reskilled. So it's really maximizing the social economic opportunities of climate action, but it also helps us not only protect workers itself, but it also helps us address underlying issues as well. For example, um, we want to ensure that more women are in the workplace today and we have to address The challenges that women face, Uh, the three big challenges for women in the world of work is uh, pay equity issues. Women in the United States are paid 78 cents on the dollar that a man gets paid. Um, The other uh, uh, barrier for women in the world of work is violence and harassment. Uh, the ILO is working across the U.S. and across the world on promoting uh, the end of the gender-based violence and harassment in the world of work. Uh, the other uh, prohibition or the barrier to women is uh, on childcare. Now we believe in family responsibility, so men should have that as well too. So looking at that, we we are ensuring that you know that we put in place uh, elements that are going to increase the workforce participation and have balance between women and men, uh, looking at how we're leaving no one behind in this just transition, um, but also more importantly is how do we grow the pie? You know, we don't want to just focus on the way things were done before and now we add a little bit of a tech element to it. Um, for example, when you look at climate change, it's not just about the environment. Uh, of course, we need to have clean drinking water, we need to have a soil that is not uh, poisoned or the water tables are affected on that. But we also have to look at how we're building cities. What are the transportation networks we have? What are the infrastructure that we need for this? Um, so we can address many of these different challenges. In the just transition uh, that we know already uh, would require a great deal of attention, but the transition to the to the low carbon and circular economy, as a call as we call it, things that are in motion, uh, things that are in the economy, we repurpose or we uh, we upgrade uh, to put back into the economy, that this can generate over 100 million new jobs, and also be a direct economic gain of 26 trillion dollars by 2030. So this will really put us on target to hit the SDGs on many of the different targets, uh, but also ensure that people are not left behind and do have gainful employment and opportunities for the future.
1: You mentioned the SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, 17 very laudable goals developed by the United Nations that run basically from 2016 to 2030 over a 15-year span of time to eliminate poverty, to eliminate hunger, to empower women and girls to combat climate change. How important is this whole panoply of these goals and what you're doing and what we all need to think about in order to preserve planet Earth and to make this planet Earth much more habitable than what it is apparently heading not to be in the future?
0: You know, the Sustainable Development Goals is a very um, ambitious vision for the global community, for the international community. Uh, The reason it's important is because it, it, it touches on every part of our life. You know, the SDGs are talking about eliminating poverty, eliminating hunger, uh, improving women's uh, place in the world today, uh, gender equality issues. It's looking at decent work and productive employment. It's looking at uh, life above the water, life below water. It's uh, looking at partnerships. So it really is a robust way of in, of sort of viewing the world around us. Um, the other thing that's really quite important and, and really quite interesting is that um, people may have heard CSR, corporate social responsibility. So in the beginning it was you know how businesses do no harm to help society. That then has migrated to ESG, environmental, social, and governance uh, parameters. And now many companies are being uh, measured on the metrics for ESG. Uh, for example, the um, the capital markets today use ESG, Uh, scoring to see if they want to invest in these companies. Now, what I also see happening is that they're moving from ESG or augmenting that to the SDGs, because not only do you have the 17 goals, I think it's 168 targets as well, which are very specific ideas about how do we achieve these goals, right? Because you have to have some metric, some way of measuring your progress on this. So the Sustainable Development Goal targets are being used by a lot of businesses today about how to look at their performance. Now, why is that important? Because most uh, the well most of the younger generation today wants to be able to. Uh, admire the company they work for. They want to be a part of good social change, something that's going to help society. So I think by focusing on the SDGs, not only are we helping to save ourselves and the planet and those people around us to ensure uh, that we have uh, a future ahead of us, right? Because we only have one planet. We cannot you know, work our way around that. Uh, so the idea that measuring companies and economic performance on metrics that actually help people is is a really interesting development. And I think the UN has done a great service uh, to humanity on putting that forward. Uh, But we do have a lot to catch up on. And COVID-19 really did put us on the back foot.
1: It certainly did. It certainly derailed the process to some degree. But hopefully, we're getting back on track on this. We're, We're talking about transitioning to clean energy, If we think back 15, 20, 30 years ago, and maybe in many countries around the world, maybe every country, I don't know, but clean energy wasn't really at that time a high priority or wasn't as high as it is, certainly as high as it is today. But do you find when you meet with these business groups or with other groups that they really are concerned about what's happening to the planet? They see the devastation of this climate crisis out there. I mean, it's almost every day you can pick up the paper and see a scientific study or some natural disaster or something like that. But are they much more dedicated and interested in trying to achieve some solutions as opposed to saying, well, we'll just take the cheapest way out and hope for the best?
0: No, Bill, I I think what I do see is an an earnest effort to make changes. Um, One thing that I was very surprised about is uh, how the language of sustainability has permeated into the American consciousness. Uh, The idea of the just transition, which we were just speaking about, um, in my uh, recent uh, visits uh, to uh, Cincinnati, for example, um, there is the uh, 2030 uh, Green Umbrella Initiative. Uh, In uh, New Mexico, in Colorado, in West Virginia, in New York, there are just transition offices that are dealing with this and you're taking economic development, uh, you're looking at uh, the usage of uh, natural resources, which of course companies rely upon. Uh, I think companies are now realizing that by, you know, by relooking at how they're developing their packaging, their material, their processes, uh, that it's saving their money as well, too. So I don't think that this is just something that is aspirational. I, I think it's something that's very practical and very hard-nosed. And it's really important to see some of the developments that have been taking place. For example, you know, the big, um, uh, the big uh, growth right now is in solar uh, photovoltaic. Um, and we see this happening around the world. That is the biggest, uh, you know, um, uh, area for which people are are being hired for new jobs. Um, so with that, it's new technologies. It is repurposing people. So maybe if you're an electrician, now you could be installing solar cells. Uh, If you worked in coal and uh, and gas, uh, you have drilling technology. You can put together wind farms uh, offshore and generate electricity. You know, I, I think people are really taking this very seriously. The one thing I would encourage groups to do is not do it on your own. You know, what they're doing in Denver is applicable to Salt Lake City, which is applicable to Cincinnati or in Covington or in in um, in Manchester or Concord or in Seattle. I mean, we have great innovation in this country, in the US and of course, around the world, um, but we can start learning from one another and start building ideas on top of one another to sort of help move this forward. And that also requires a great deal of uh, skilling and upskilling. And we have to look at the lifelong learning and that has to be a collaboration between business, Um, educational institutions, uh, and the people themselves who who need to have gainful employment.
1: I certainly do, and those are certainly laudable goals that we should all be trying to achieve. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, or you just have a computer, you like our shows, you would like to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today we're talking with Mr. Kevin Cassidy with the United Nations International Labor Organization. Mr. Cassidy is the director and representative to the Bretton Woods and Multilateral Organizations of the UN's ILO office in the United States located in Washington. D.C. Kevin, we're talking about a variety of ways we can think about being, become transition to clean energy. And as you were talking a minute ago, you just jogged my memory. We did a show, we did two shows, as I recall, about a year, year and a half ago, of uh, an interesting odyssey that you had around the United States. And I we can't get into all of the wonderful experiences you had, but I do want to remind our viewers, if they're interested in going back, go to our website at globalconnectionstelevision.com and view those two shows, which was, which we aired, I think about a year, year and a half ago, but they're really very fascinating. But one of the things before we run out of time, Kevin, I was curious about, we hear a lot about the dignity of work. You've mentioned it, and I know the International Labor Organization is certainly, that's a mainstay in your studies and in your programs and your outreach. What, what exactly did we mean by the dignity of work?
0: So the Dignity at Work, it was a photo assignment that I did around the United States with the uh, with the world renowned photographer, John Isaac. Uh, and, and really we were just looking at how people were looking at the world of work for themselves, how that was changing, how they came to the professions they're in, what were the inflection points and what were their concerns for the future. And I learned so much from people about, uh, for example, not following your passion, but following your gift, because what you're good at, you can apply to work. Um, I learned that people who didn't want to work for somebody else created their own business, and they realized not only were they the boss, but then by being the boss, everybody was their boss, their their suppliers, their customers, the banks that they were borrowing from. So there was some really interesting uh, sort of anecdotes about how the world of work shaped their life. Now. For the ILO, the human-centered approach, you know, to building forward together, you know, takes the aspirations and the rights of people to the heart of the all economic and social environmental policies. We know that lifelong learning is a key to a human-centered approach because it supports people in adjusting to these changes. So what we need to do is invest in people so that we can transform our economies and societies to be more resilient, to be more adaptable, helping workers and enterprises respond to unanticipated shocks like COVID-19, Edmund. But this... requires all of us to be working together for that, you know, for that goal of, a, of a, a world in which no one is left behind. So when you start to look at the world of work, this is where all of our dreams and aspirations come to a very practical intersection, um, because we need to have gainful employment for ourselves. We need businesses to uh, keep creating those jobs. Um, but I think we need to show respect for one another and protecting you know, the human-centered approach uh, really puts us on an equal footing and helps us all move forward together because if somebody is a good worker, you don't want to lose them because it costs a lot to rehire, uh, but also that person is going to be very productive. They're going to be very loyal to the brand. So I think you know we should just really create opportunities for dialogue between businesses and the workers that make those businesses going concerns, and really looking at the end goal, which is to ensure that economic progress and social progress move hand in hand.
1: Those are, that's really a powerful message, and one that's very important to workers, as well as to businesses, and I'm sure to governments also. What what do you see as some of the biggest challenges we have to help get that message out to the public, to the aforementioned, interested parties to help them to think along these lines what are there certain recommendations to the media play a role in this what what needs to be done to promote that discussion and to make it a more fruitful discussion
0: yes you know bill there there are kind of very technical aspects right that we need to improve global, global supply chains we need to be sensitive to the geopolitical considerations around the world we see war breaking out which we haven't seen in a while uh on the continent of europe which is really destabilizing for the world itself we see people reassessing you know what work means to them you know some people call it the great resignation we call it the great reassessment People are wondering what work plays th- that role in their life as well, too. But I think the issue that we need to uh, be really focused on is that, you know, we as people on this earth, whether you're an employer or a worker, that we are working together towards a goal. And if we work to that goal together, that we have good dialogue, we have communication, that we're not afraid of compromising compromising on only our way or their way, right? I mean, I think we need to have that dialogue that brings us together. So by convening these meetings, by bringing the message to people, understanding what their challenges are, and I'll be honest with you, I was uh, just uh, recently in Peoria, Illinois, and the Parents are concerned about their children having good jobs, uh, people who are losing their jobs because factories may have moved out of the town and looking for new ideas about how do we resuscitate, you know, sort of uh, the economies that were built maybe on one big company. The ideas are out there. I think we should not be afraid to share ideas. I think we should be very bold in investing in people, investing institutions and understanding that by moving together in this model of social justice, everybody being uh, protected under the law Uh, equally uh, in the world of work and having that dialogue to ensure that we stay on course is absolutely essential. So dig into those issues, media, you know, dialogue, you know, through the delegates, uh, businesses and workers. Let's make sure that we're working towards a common goal, because if we're working towards a common goal, we can achieve that.
1: We certainly can. I've mentioned that you have a very interesting job and you encounter a lot of diverse people and get a lot of different ideas and that type of thing. And one you mentioned before we started the show was that you're looking at doing a model international labor organization forum with a university. What, What exactly is that about and why would the students want to participate?
0: Yeah, Bill, thanks for that. I mean, the model ILO uh, actually was developed in 1931 out of this office here in Washington. It was used for a few years, but it fallen into disuse. Uh, the, World, Affairs, the uh, World Federation of U.N. Associations had come to me, uh, uh, Bill Yodov, and we worked on reviving the Model ILO. And the reason that that's so important, and we're doing it now with Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, we'll be working on that with the U.N. Association of the National Capital Area, and we're working with the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service as well, too, about developing skill sets, about communication, about uh, problem solving, about... Uh, you know, really teamwork and building this up. And the model ILO uses that tripartite model. So it's not just government to government that you can adopt the work, the role of an employer, adopt the role of a worker and so, and be able to understand what those positions are. So through that dialogue, through that coming together, through that multiplicity of of prerogatives or imperatives that each group has, we can discuss that in a way, in a fruitful way, and being able to move the agenda further forward. So that will be happening uh, in Lehigh University in uh, March April and in Washington DC through the UNA-NCA uh, in April as well. And we're really excited to have other universities join us in this. So please reach out to us at uh, ilo.org uh, Washington.
1: It sounds like a fascinating program and I'm sure the students and faculty will get a lot out of it. And it is absolutely vital that we learn more about these issues, that we share information, that we have dialogue that we understand each other's positions. We come at this together because only by working together are we going to be able to overcome problems such as climate change or whatever it may be. But Kevin Cassidy with the United Nations International Labor Organization, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. Thank you, Bill. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.